Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruh wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina man yahdihillahu fala mudilla la wa man yudlil fala hadiya la wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika la وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة um, the class, as you know, for those who attended before, is a class of tafsir, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through the seerah, the life biography of the Prophet. Therefore, in these classes of tafsir, we'll be going through the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala according to the order of revelation and how it relates to the seerah, the biography of the Prophet. And the incidences and the context in which these suwar, these revelations or these chapters are revealed to the Prophet. So, therefore, we're not going to go through the Quran according to the order in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is from Fatiha to Surah An Nas, but rather we're going to the Quran according to the order of revelation, which is why the first surah we begin with was Surah Al Alaq. Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. Because this is the first thing that was revealed to the Prophet. So we're going to the Quran in this manner, or through this system, according to order of revelation, and then we will look at the seerah of the Prophet and explain something from the seerah. So the surah we stopped on before Ramadan was Surah Al-Duha, which was revealed to the Prophet. We go back to the seerah in a year that was known as the year of what? Am al huzn the year of sadness of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So we had to look at the seerah, and we said this year is called Am al huzn because this is the year in which two people passed away that were dear to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and they were Khadija radiallahu anha and the uncle of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Abu Talib. And another incident after their passing away happened during this year, and what incident was that? Ta'if, the trip of the Prophet to Ta'if, and they rejected the call of the Prophet. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after all this, he reveals Surah Al-Duha to assure the Prophet by saying to him, Wa'duha wa saja. I swear by the morning and its brightness, Wa saja. and the night when it darkens, Ma wa Your Lord has not abandoned you nor forsaken you. And after this is Surah Al-Duha, what incident took place? What incident took place? Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj. It took place after this. To show the promise of Allah Ta'ala to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The next Surah that came after Surah Al-Duha in the Seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is a Surah that is so similar to Surah Al-Duha that some of the ulama, they say, جاءت هذه سورة إتماماً لسورة Al-Duha. That this surah, it came as though it came to complete Surah Al-Duha. Very similar. And the surah which came after Surah Al-Duha is so similar to Duha. It's like it's a completion of Surah Al-Duha. 
And the same way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminded the Prophet sallallahu of his blessings upon him in Surah Al-Duha, in this surah likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Prophet sallallahu of his blessings upon him. And in this surah, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the Prophet sallallahu they are those blessings which are applicable to the Prophet and applicable to others. General blessing, that whatever Allah ta'ala blessed the Prophet with, it wasn't specific to him. Allah blessed other people with it. But in this surah, the ni'mah, the blessing of Allah Ta'ala upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is specific to who? To the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this blessing of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the blessing of tarbiyah, of nurturing, cultivating, and educating. That was only for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So in this surah, Allah Ta'ala addresses the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam directly. Now when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala addresses the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam directly in the Quran, does it mean that address or that speech is only for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? What could it mean? And we did this in the previous lessons of Tafsir. That whenever the Prophet Sallallahu is addressed directly, Ya Ayyuhal Nabi, is it only for the Prophet Sallallahu What's the answer? Huh? Any address which is directed to the Prophet has three possibilities. This address may be the asl of it, the root and origin of any address of Prophet is for him and the rest of the ummah. Even if he's mentioned in the singular, for example, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya ayyuhal nabi, idha talaqtumun nisa. O Prophet, and he's addressing the Prophet when you divorce women, fatalliquhunna li'iddatihin. Divorce them according to their idda. Now, who's been addressed here? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa But does the rule apply to the rest of the Muslims? It does. So any address to the Prophet it concerns all of us. We all fall into the same ruling. The second type of address is the address which is possibly could be interpreted as for the Prophet or the rest of the Ummah likewise. And the third type of address is that address which is only for the Prophet And the surah we're looking at today, it falls into that, that this address in this surah is only for the Prophet alone. The surah we're looking at today is Surah Al-Sharhu or Surah Al-Inshirah. The Surah of Ash-Sharh or Surah Al-Inshirah. This Surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of his blessings upon him. And every single ayah in which Allah ta'ala reminds him of his blessing upon him is done in a rhetorical manner. True rhetorical questioning. Alam nashrah laka sadraq. Wa wada'na anka wizraq. All these are rhetorical questions that the answers is always in what? The affirmative. All rhetorical questions. That the answer is in the what? In the affirmative. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. Have we not done sharh of your sadr for you? And this is why this surah is called surah to what? Surah to al-sharhu. Because of the ayah. Because the ayah said nashrah. So it's fine. Certain chapters of the Quran that are named after a word or a meaning in that surah. So this is called Surah Al-Sharh because of the ayah, Alam Nashrah. In the same way, Surah Al-Baqarah is called Surah Al-Baqarah because of what? Inna Allah ya'murukum an tathbahu baqarah. In the same way, Surah Al-Teen is called Surah Al-Teen because of what? Wa-Teeni wa-Zaytun. And there's other surahs in the Quran that is given a name not due to what is mentioned in the surah, but due to the meaning of the surah. For example, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدٌ لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٌ What's the name of this surah? 
Ikhlas. Is Ikhlas mentioned in the surah? No. But the meaning of the surah is Ikhlas, which is purity of worship for the sake of Allah alone. Tawheed, that you worship none but Allah. Because the cause of the surah being revealed is that the mushikeen came to the Prophet and said, Sif lana rabbak, describe your Lord to us. And Allah revealed the surah. Or Surah Al-Fatiha. Why Surah Al-Fatiha called Fatiha? Is Fatiha mentioned in the, in the surah? La. Or it's called Surah Ummul Kitab. Is Ummul Kitab mentioned in the surah? No. But due to the meaning that this is the mother of the book, this is the Fatiha. Because we open up with it, As-Salah. And the book of Allah Ta'ala, it begins with it. So this surah is called Surah Al-Inshirah, based on the saying of Allah Azza wa Jal, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. So Allah Ta'ala asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Alam nashrah laka sadrak. If we not, don't sharh of your sadr. And what's the answer going to be? Indeed. It's a rhetorical question. So what is the meaning of Al-Sharhu? Al-Sharhu, as we mentioned previously, in the Arabic language has three meanings. And we're going to go through each and every single meaning. Because when we look at the seerah the Prophet is going to look at, we see that each meaning is applicable to the seerah, the biography of the Prophet All the three meanings of sharhu. And also, when we want to understand the ayah, the verse, we need to understand all the meanings of sharh. Because if you have more than one meaning, all the meaning does what? It applies, so long as they don't contradict each other. This is a principle in tafsir. Even if there's more than one meaning, all the meanings applies. So what is the meaning of sharh? Because Allah Ta'ala said to the Prophet Sallam, we have indeed done sharh of your sadr. The first meaning of sharh in the Arabic language, as we mentioned in the last lesson, is what? Barakallah fika. Is qatu'u, is to cut or to slice something. To cut or to slice something. So therefore, when you go to the butchers, the slice of meat, the meat which is sliced, is called shariihatul laham. It's called what? A piece of meat that has been sliced. Yes? So a sharhu is to cut or to slice something. Likewise, when they make cards from something and they cut it into pieces, they call it shariha. So the SIM card in your phone is called shariha. That's the Arabic name for SIM card, shariha. Something which has been sliced or cut from something. So the first meaning of sharh is to cut or to slice. The second meaning of sharhu is is to make something expanded and extend. And the Arabs, when they say sharhu, they apply to the expansion of a person's chest that lifts from it sorrows, anguish, and sadness. So when they say, his heart is so vast, meaning he has no sadness, or grief or sorrow that weighs him down. Another meaning of, that enters into expansion is that a person, Allah, opens his heart to Islam. So he finds good deeds easy to do. The third meaning of sharhu, as you see in many books, sharh arabi'in anawi, sharh usul al-thalatha, is al-kashfu wal-idwah, to make something or to unveil something or make it clearer. So if there's a book like arabi'in anawi, to make it clearer, the explanation is called what? Sharhu arabi'in anawi. If there's another book called Riyadh al-Saliheen, a book that explains it and makes it clearer is called what? Sharhu Riyad al-Salihin. Kitab al-Tawheed, the book that explains it and makes it clearer is called what? Sharhu Kitab al-Tawheed. So these are three meanings of a sharh. How do these apply to the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu The first meaning which is qat'u which is to cut something definitely applies to the seerah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he said, Alam nashrah laka sadrak, did we not slice open for you your chest? 
indeed Allah Ta'ala, when we look at the seal of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he sliced open the chest of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this was not metaphorically, this was physically. That a surgery was actually performed on the heart or the chest of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but not like any other surgery we know today, that you have human surgeons. This surgery was performed by the angels of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And like surgery which we know today, which deals with physical ailments, this surgery dealt with what? Physical and spiritual. Not like the surgery we know today. And he filled the heart of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam bil-ma'arif with knowledge and awareness and wisdom. So it's not like surgery which is just physical. Knowledge, wisdom, spiritual. And that's why the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is referred to as what in the Quran? When Allah Ta'ala said, وَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابِ Allah Ta'ala said that upon you, the kitab, the book, he always mentioned along with kitab what? Wal-hikmah and wisdom. If you want to be wise, be upon the sunnah. If you want to be wise, be upon the sunnah. So when Allah Ta'ala mentioned the Quran, kitab wal-hikmah, he sends upon him, or the prophets, al-kitab wal-hikmah, the book and the wisdom, the wisdom is the sunnah. And in that wisdom, there are things, my brothers, which are obligatory upon us. The asal, the root of anything the Prophet ﷺ mentions is wajib. Why? Whatever the Prophet orders you to do, you must do. And that's why when you look at the Sahaba, knowing that this is hikmah, they never once asked the Prophet ﷺ when he ordered them to do something, as we do today. Is it wajib? Is it fard? Is it sunnah? Is it mustahab? Is it makroo? They just did it. Because they understood, whatever he orders you to do, do it. And whatever he prohibits you from, stay away from it. So the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and as an example, that Allah Ta'ala gave the anbiya, sunnah, he gave them the book and hikmah. Right? So from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, as an example, he said, liha. For example, he ordered us, grow your beards as men. The Prophet says, This is an order. Therefore, it will only become non-obligatory if there's another text, right? So the order from the Prophet said, This lihya is not only sunnah, it's also what? Hikmah, wisdom. And we don't do things because of wisdom or modern science or the, I don't know, the health benefits of growing a beard, what it does to a man's face and does it. No, we do it first and foremost, ibadah. And then we see the hikmah, the wisdom in it later on. Jayid, so the sunnah of the Prophet not only the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. Is the sunnah of the anbiya, the prophets of Allah. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, These are the ones Allah's guided. When he mentioned all of the prophets, he said, muqtadi. Be guided by the guidance of the prophets. The ulama of tafsir, they say the guidance of the prophets is what? The lahya, the beard. And that's why even if you see the non Muslim in their depict, how they depict the prophets, of course they shouldn't draw their pictures, they depict all of them were what? With a beard. So this is from the greatest hikmah and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu Which is why Aisha radiallahu anha, when she used to swear by Allah, she used to say, I swear by Allah, who has made the man handsome with what? The beard. Subhanallah. So Allah ta'ala says to the Prophet And when we go back to the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu we see this physical meaning of qata, which is to cut applies to this ayah, when we go back to the seerah. And in the seerah, we find this in a hadith which is narrated by Imam Muslim, rahimahullah ta'ala. 
in which the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said on the authority of Anas ibn Malik, atahu Jibril alayhi salam wa yal'ab ma'al ghilman. That Jibril came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was playing with some young kids. So at this time the Prophet sallallahu was young. Fa'akhadahu fasara'ahu fashaqqa an qalbi. Jibril came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi he took him and he wrestled to the Prophet sallallahu to the ground. Put him on the ground fashaqqa an qalbi. Shaqqa it means to split. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, that when Yawm Qiyamah, the heavens, they split, open. So Jibreel is split, open the chest of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And he took out the heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he took from the heart a black cloth. فَقَالَ هَذَا حَظُّ الشَّيْطَانِ this part I've taken out, this is the part of shaitan in you, which all of us have, except for who? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. ثُمَّ غَسَلَهُ فِي تَصْدٍ مِنْ ذَهَبٍ And then he washed the heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a vessel of gold. بِمَاءِ الزَّمْزَمْ With zamzam water. ثُمَّ لَأَمَهُ Then he sealed up the heart of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he put the heart back in the chest of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, when this happened to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what was he doing at the time? He was playing with Hilman, with some children. What do you think those children did? They fleed. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. So this shows us it was something that was what? Physical. Not like some of the modernists say today. No, 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 no. It was just metaphoric. No, physical. The Prophet sallallahu said, The children went running to the mother of the Prophet And the mother here means who? The one that suckled, breastfed the Prophet Halima Sa'diyah. They went to their mother. Saying to him, Inna Muhammad qad qutila. Muhammad has been murdered. Muhammad has been murdered. And then they found the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa huwa They found him, his color had changed completely to yellow. Because of the frightening experience. Anas, the narrator of hadith, radiallahu an, he said, Wa qad kuntu ara athara thalika al-makhid fi sadrihi. Anas was a young child when the Prophet got to Medina. He said, he used to see upon the chest of the Prophet wasallam, the traces or the threading or the sealing upon the chest of the Prophet wasallam, to show it was something physical. So when Allah Ta'ala says, Alam nashrah laka sadra, it means they do not split open for you your chest, Muhammad wasallam. They do not slice it open. And this is from the greatest ni'mah of Allah Ta'ala upon the Prophet wasallam, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it took out the hadd shaytan from him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he filled his chest with hikmah, with wisdom, with ma'arif. The second meaning of ash-sharh. What's the second meaning of sharh? We mentioned linguistically. To make something expand. Meaning for sadness and grief and sorrow to be removed from your heart. So when you say to somebody, qalbi munsharih, maha ash-sharh, it means my heart is light, it's expand. It took take on a lot of issues. And that's why from the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is that he used to make dua that Allah Ta'ala takes away from him. Hammu wal hazan. Because you see sadness, grief, sorrow, depression, what does it do to a person? Because when you're Munshir Sadr, you act, you do things, you're physical, right? Sadness and grief and sorrow makes you what? Heavy, lazy, lethargic. That's why we find people that are depressed or going through depression, medical state, medical depression. What is their state usually? They can't even bother to have a bath or brush their teeth. 
And that's why from the dua of the Prophet Sallallahu against debts, that if you have debts, he used to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika minal hammi wal hazan. I seek refuge in you from grief and sorrow. And what follows that in the dua? Wa minal ajzi wal kasal. And from being incapable or lazy. Because the moment you fall into depression, what happens to you physically? The moment you're mentally, you become weak. You can't do anything. Incapable. But a person is heart munsharih. Is open. Is open. It could act. It could do things physically. And this is one thing that a khutbah needs to be given on. Mental illnesses. There's so many people suffering from depression now. And mental issues. That we have to take the first and foremost, the spiritual means, which is ruqya, but also the physical means. The physical means, the effect of your body physically, the same way your mind has an effect on your body, does your body, the state of your body, have an effect on your mind? Does it? We have a doctor here. You know your mind, it has an effect on your physical well-being. Does your physical well-being have a state on your mind? Does it have an effect on your mind? Yes, it does. It has an effect. That's why a person who's got high blood pressure, diabetes, is not mental, but his diabetes, his high blood pressure, does it affect his mood? It definitely does. When a person exercises and trains and keeps himself fit, does it affect his state of mind? Yes, it does. And that's why with mental depression, mental illnesses, you have to address it physically, mentally, spiritually. And that's why you go to mental homes, if you ever visit any of them. What do they always have outside them? Lots of greenery, lots of nice things for you to see, and they insist on exercise. On exercise. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this ma'ana al-sharh, to make somebody have no grief, no sorrow, when we look at the Prophet sirah, he applies to it. Also from this meaning of expansion is what? That Allah expands a person's chest to al-Islam. So this meaning we find in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the first meaning, which is what? Removal of anxiety and sorrow. So Musa alayhi salam, when Allah ta'ala sent it to me, Fir'aun, what was the dua of Musa? Rabbi ishrah li sadri. And that's why it's important to understand all the meaning of a word. Because the dua here, if we take the first meaning, which is to cut, is asking Allah ta'ala to do what? Split open my chest. Rabbi ishrah li sadri wa yassir li amri and make my affairs easy for me. But if you understand, there's another meaning. We know according to context, it changes. So the meaning of Rabbi Shrach li Sadriya is what? Remove from me any what? Anxiety. Wa yassir li amri. And make my affairs easy for me. Wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. And remove the knots from my tongue so they may understand what I will say. Because Musa alayhi salam, he had a speech impediment. But even a person without a speech impediment, like if you're going to give a lecture or talk or you're nervous, they say to make this dua. Because naturally, when you have to stand in front of people and you're nervous, what happens? Your words become twisted and confused. And that's why if you go to Surah Al-Hud, the miracle in Surah Al-Hud is what? Hud is giving da'wah to his people. And when you go to that surah, any eye where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, min dunillah, it's min dunillah. That surah, when Hud, go to it if you have time today, he's speaking to his people word by word, min dunillah, like this. Why? To show Hud, even though his people threatened to kill him, was not what? Nervous. Allah Ta'ala in sharah sadra. Allah Ta'ala, he causes chest for anxiety to be removed. Because the automatic reaction of people that are nervous or lying, what do they do? Speak very fast. But Hud, alayhi salam, slowly. So sharh here, the meaning with to 
remove anxiety, we find the Quran. Likewise, the second meaning of sharh, which is, or the second meaning of expansion, which is what? Allah makes a person's chest expand towards Islam. His heart opens towards Islam. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَمَنْ شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ وَهُوَ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّنْ رَبِّي That, uh, It's another ayah. to guide, he makes his heart يَشْرَحْ Cut to Islam? No. Anxiety removed? No. What does it mean? Expand to Islam. Jayid? Expand towards Islam. And the one Allah Ta'ala wishes to lead astray, he makes his heart full of grief, discomfort, tight as though he's ascending in the skies. It's going up in the sky. Because the higher you reach, the more your breath gets cut out and the more constraint you feel in your chest. So this is the ma'ana of expansion also. That Allah makes a person's heart open towards Islam. Also, this meaning applies to the Prophet wasallam because acts of ibadat, acts of worship was easy for the Prophet that Allah Ta'ala expanded his chest towards Islam, made it open towards the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So acts of worship that nobody can do, the Prophet wasallam would do. Whether it's continuous fasting, which is not the sunnah, that you fast and then you continue that fast through the next day. Someone will start to continuously do it. The Sahaba tried to do it, they couldn't do it. And the Prophet said, You cannot do what I can do. You cannot do that which I can do. The standing of the Prophet, nobody could stand in prayer like the Prophet. And the last being of Asharhu is Al Kashu Al To make something, unveil something, make it clear. So when we look at the Sunnah of the Prophet, or the Seer of the Prophet, no doubt we find this. That Allah Ta'ala unveiled to the Prophet and made haqqaiq, reality, and knowledge clear to the Prophet in a way which was clear that no other person attained that level of clearness or reality of things. For example, the Prophet saw the clear and manifest signs of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. When we looked at what? what? What did you look at in Sirah that the Prophet things became so clear to him? Huh? So the greatest signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So next week, insha'Allah ta'ala, we're going to the next ayah, which is, Actually, we go from the first ayah. We're going to explain the minute sharh today. And we relate to the seerah of the Prophet That Allah said to him, We removed your burden from him, from you, your burden. And this is the burden of sin. And we look at what does that mean. And we relate it to the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So therefore, alam nashrah laka sadrak. We're all alim of this now. Ulama, scholars of alam nashrah laka sadrak. Ya Umair, what does it mean, alam nashrah laka sadrak? Uthameen rahimullahu azza wa jal. I was listening to him yesterday. And I listen to him every day on the way to work. And these car journeys, they say a person's life, majority of his life is spent in transport, in a car. Majority of your life. So utilize the Quran, listen to a lecture, audio book. So I listen to him a lot. So many times I'm listening to him and he just stops the lecture. He said, Ya Rajul, in the middle of the lecture, he's always looking at the students in the same way the Prophet will look at his students and concentrate on their affairs. Utruk al leave your beard, stop playing with the beard. Utruk al Abbath bil 
Yesterday I was looking to him, listening to him, and he stopped. He said, Iyaka, Iyaka, I warn you, I warn you. Antadur, aynaka yamin wa shimal. I don't want your eyes to move left or right. I want you to concentrate. He's talking to somebody in the middle of the lecture. Just in the same way that Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, because on those days when people in a lesson, they were in a lesson. They were like this, focus. That when the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, when the Prophet would say something, all the women in their time, they say, It's like a bird was perched on their head. That's how stood they still. So Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, likewise, his students were like that. So Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, when he went to meet Imam Malik, because somebody found Imam Shafi'i in a desert reciting some poetry. And this person was shocked. He was like, wow, you know, young boy like you, you're reciting this kind of poetry. So he just thought he just knows Arabic poetry. So he stopped Imam Shafi'i, tried to teach him some aspects of the deen. And Imam Shafi'i was reciting things from his memory that subhanAllah, not only language, even deen. He said, there's a great Imam you need to meet. And this Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, and Imam Malik's circles was not like our circles. It would be only of scholars and students of knowledge. So he took Imam Shafi'i to the door of Imam Malik. Because he knows Imam Malik, when he's having a class, he doesn't like to be disturbed. Because the students in the class of Imam Malik, which relates to paying attention, even to turn a page, they used to be scared. The noise of the page, subhanAllah. Just to turn a page, just the flip of the page, they used to be scared to do so. To show how quiet it was. So this man, he took Imam Shafi'i to the Imam Malik, knowing that the class, and Imam Shafi'i was young. He knocked on the door, and he ran away, and left Imam Shafi'i there, because he knew what was coming. So Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, when he got to the door, was angry that somebody disturbed him, and Imam Shafi'i was there. So he turned away, he looked at this young boy, he turned away and went back in his house. He was angry. Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah ta'ala, he was reciting Al-Muwattah from his memory. Imam Malik was shocked. The whole book, Al-Muwattah Imam Malik, he was reciting it from memory. From his memory. Imam Shafi'i ta'ala had a photographic memory, they say. That when he was reading, he had to cover one page and read one page at a time. Because he become confused, he memorized the pages visually. He used to read like this. Photographic memory, subhanAllah. So the concentration in those days was the next level. Absolute next level. Okay, what's the meaning of shah? When Allah Ta'ala says, Alam nashrah laka sadrah, what does it mean? Yunjiku, yunjika abuk, your father will save you. Sheikh Suleiman. Oh. Yeah, three. Do all the three apply, by the way? Does all the three apply? Yes, let your brother save you. So I say, Ikhwanuka, Ikhwatuka. Are you is Ikhwan or is Ikhwa? You is ikhwa, right? Because ikhwan is non-blood relationship from brothers like kuluna ikhwan. So ikhwa, like Surah Yusuf, is blood relationship of brothers. So we let your brother save you. Ya Abdullah, nabda bil awwal fal awwal. Yes. Barakallah Have we not opened, or in other words, cleansed for you your chest? Have we not expanded for you your chest, make it easier for you to accept things and leave the sorrow and grief? Have we not done idah? If we not made it clear and unveiled, meaning we filled it with knowledge, idah. So every time you read the surah, always read it like this. And the more you know, a word means the more it has an effect on your salah. Because usually when you just go to the translation, if we not expand it, but when you know the deeper meaning behind the surah, it has an effect on your salah. And it helps you to have khushu' in salah. 
to have concentration in your salah. So before Ramadan, inshallah ta'ala, my advice to all, try and learn the meaning of the Quran as much as possible so it has an effect upon your salah. You know, and because many times you had this controversial statement, like uh, people say, look, after the salah, people ask for the money when they're in England, Nigeria, they ask for it in, in Yoruba, in English. Why do they have to make the dua in Arabic? You know, there's certain key Arabic things you should know, especially these small surahs. The Amma, try and learn the meaning, the translation, inshallah. 